Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And Caroline, today let's tackle a question Mm -hmm. that has crossed the minds probably every menstruating woman. What is that? Tampons. Tampons. And whether or not tampons cause toxic shock syndrome. And what is toxic shock syndrome anyway? This is a basic question that we really have not addressed in the 8,000 episodes of Stuff Mom Never Told You. We have done, even though we've talked about tampons plenty of times, we've talked about menstruation plenty of times, but toxic shock syndrome, as a listener kindly pointed out, Mm -hmm. is something that we have not directly addressed. And I remember when I was a young lass mm-hmm. and I found a box of my sister's tampons mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that sheet that they have inside. Yes, the insert. The insert with the diagram oh, yeah. of the female pelvis mm-hmm. and how you put a tampon in. And then in bold letters, you see toxic shock syndrome. And in my mind, I thought these are very dangerous. Why would women do this to themselves? I was scared. Well, I remember reading the insert because my, you know, I've said before in the podcast that my mother never had a sex talk with me and that I was just kind of left to my own devices slash romance novels to figure things out. And it was the same thing with tampons. Like she handed me a box and or she bought me a box and I think left it strategically on my bathroom counter. And so I followed the diagram to a T down to like, Kristen, I, I lay down on the floor. To insert my first tampon. I was like so scared. I was like, how do I, I, it's, it's pointing strange. I'm pretty sure I did that as well. But yeah, I, I read the insert and I read the thing about toxic shock syndrome and I was like, holy moly, what is this? I'm going to die if I put in too many tampons. But I, I mean, I, I think because of that, I changed my tampon like way more than necessary. Like every 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, the thing about the, the insert is that you come away knowing that something terrifying called toxic shock syndrome exists mm-hmm. and that you could potentially die from it. But it doesn't really tell you what your chances are and what it is. So before we get into toxic shock syndrome, let's go over very briefly when we started using tampons to begin with. Because obviously menstruation is not a new thing. And we've been improvising up until the 1930s when tampons became mass marketed. But before tampons, Caroline, what kind of stuff were women using during menstruation? Oh, just any old thing. Like what? Like what? Egyptians, Kristen, in the 15th century BC, well, they used softened papyrus. Mm. So you'd write a note to your friend and then after, after she read it, you just, you just, Plug up that. Keep it there. Um, in Rome, they used wool. Japan, they had paper held in place by a bandage, which the name for that bandage was the Japanese word for pony. I just like to point out. I like that. And you would change it 10 to 12 times a day. I mean, how do you have time for anything else? But anyway, Indonesia, they used vegetable fibers in equatorial Africa, rolls of grass. Hawaii, uh, people would use a furry part of a native fern called the hapu'u. And other grasses, mosses, and plants all throughout Asia and Africa. Yeah, and in 
the U.S. as more revealing clothing styles came into vogue, uh, it spurred the need for internal period absorbers. When I'm talking about the tampons, <laughs> uh, because when you were wearing bustles and lots of crinoline and such, uh, you could get away with wearing a pad all the time. But then once the silhouette became more close cut to the female body, then you uh, the, the need for the for tampons increased. And fun tidbit that I did not know about was that after World War One, there was greater interest put in developing tampons because there was this highly absorbent surgical dressing called cellucotton that needed a new market after the war ended. And what can you make? With absorbent surgical dressing, tampons. <laughs> and there's been a lot of techno- technological development around tampons. Uh, Dr. Earl Haas was the first to develop an applicator, a little cardboard applicator, because his wife was having so many problems with the bulky pads and adult diaper type things. Yeah, and the idea came to Haas after he talked to a friend of his in California who used a vaginal sponge for mm-hmm. her periods. Um, yeah, Haas actually sold the patent to Gertrude Tenderick, a German immigrant who became Tampax's first president. She made the Tampax on her sewing machine at home. Yeah, Haas had a little bit of a sad story because he he had this patent. He couldn't really do anything with it. And then Savvy Gertrude comes along, buys it up for $32,000 and builds the Tampax empire. And it was really in the mid to late 1930s, thanks to Tampax with that applicator, the tampons started to become more readily available and more widely used. And everything was all fine, well and good. Tampons are just chugging along. Tampax and other companies are figuring out how to make more absorbent tampons. And so you don't have to change your tampons all the time. And then all of a sudden... In the 1980s, a lot of stuff goes awry. Yeah. All of these lawsuits start cropping up because toxic shock syndrome emerged. Yeah, toxic shock syndrome was first officially identified in 1978 in a study, but it wasn't the kind that we would think of as related to to tampons. It appeared in seven kids between 8 and 17 years old. The study was published in The Lancet Journal. And in 1980, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention began investigating some follow-up reports of 55 toxic shock syndrome cases and they noticed a pattern among the women because 52% of that group was female and of those 95% of women who came in with TSS were on their period. Yeah, a uh, a CDC and UC Berkeley report uh, from 1999 talks about this time and says that toxic shock syndrome emerged as a result of changes in industry and personal behavior, but responded to rapid public health action, including active surveillance. So all of a sudden, these people, men, women, children, menstruating women, non-menstruating women, women who use tampons, women who didn't use tampons, people were all of a sudden having this disease, this problem. And so people, researchers, doctors responded pretty, pretty quickly to the outbreak. 
Yeah, and the CDC investigation and some additional case studies implicated Rely PR brand of super absorbent tampons. And in September of 1980, Rely PR is pulled off the market voluntarily because of this TSS problem. And the thing in the tampons that uh, the CDC suspected was causing the problems was a polyester foam that was cross-linked with another synthetic fiber. And it's a combination that's no longer used in tampons. And in 1985, polyacrylate-containing tampons were also withdrawn from the market because of concerns over toxic shock syndrome. And we should highlight yet again that those Rely PR tampons were the super-absorbent kind, uh, and women may have been leaving them in mm-hmm. longer. And and as a result of this tampon, tampon gate, 1980, mm-hmm. uh, there was a flurry of media reports about the dangers of tampons because doctors still weren't entirely sure, and really still aren't today, what the connection between tampons and toxic shock syndrome was. They knew it had something to do with the super absorbency, perhaps women leaving them in mm-hmm. their vaginal canals longer, and also those synthetic fibers. But uh, for instance, the New York Times called it a baffling disease that was thought to be linked to the reversal of blood flow. And in November of 1980, the Times also reported toxic shock among 652 people with 63 fatalities. But we should point out around this time that after the Rely brand tampons were pulled, TSS cases continued to be reported. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't like it was just Rely or just super absorbent tampons. Up to 16% of the reported cases after the fact, after Rely pulled its tampons, uh, up to 16% of these cases were in children, men, and non-menstruating women and usually were associated with a localized staph infection. So it's not just like, you know, leaving a tampon in too long. There are also links to surgery, especially like transplant-type surgeries. But the legacy, the public legacy of toxic shock syndrome isn't something about what happens perhaps on the operating table, Mm -hmm. but more so continually linked to tampons, kind of the same way that intrauterine devices still battle a negative reputation that they got in the 70s and 80s when one particular brand had a negative impact on, uh, I forget what the specific uh, side effect was, for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 1982, for instance, uh, the first federal jury award of $19,000 was doled out to a woman who contracted TSS um, after using Playtex brand tampons. And there were more than 400 other victims of toxic shock who filed suit against Procter & Gamble, which were the makers of the Rely PR yeah. tampons. And I mean, around this time, uh, it was sort of a cycle. Because, all right, so people, men, women, children start contracting this disease somehow, this this crazy disease that has all of these scary symptoms uh, and that was fatal some of the time. So the media starts reporting on it. Tampons are an interesting angle. The more the media reports on it, the more cases are uh, reported. So it's this cycle of like, oh, my goodness. So you you do have to ask, and, and researchers did ask, like, uh, is is this a case of there being more? Or is this a case of the reporting just kind of crystallizing and coming together and realizing, okay, what we maybe thought was something else is actually toxic toxic shock syndrome? So they looked at 
the death rate, the fatality rate of this disease. And it does. It does ramp up. Uh, 88 deaths were known to have occurred uh, in 1982, which was the time of the Institute of Medicine report being written about this. It was the first major report about toxic shock syndrome. They found that before 1979, 15 people were reported to have died from TSS. 13 in 1979, 44 in 1980, and 15 in 1981. So there's definitely like a bell curve, but... A lot of that has to do with increased awareness. So the increased awareness is a double-edged sword. More more cases are being reported, but also more women are aware of how to safely use tampons So and maybe go to their doctor when they notice symptoms. And it does improve the industry in terms of getting products off the market that turn out to not be so good hanging out inside of your vagina. But one thing we have not addressed yet, Caroline is what is toxic shock syndrome anyway? Yeah, so, you know, as much as there was a giant scare in the 80s uh, and a lot of people were talking about it, TSS is actually a rare bacterial infection that is historically associated with the use of superabsorbent tampons and occasionally with the use of contraceptive sponges. Um, often it results from toxins produced by, wait for it, I'll pronounce it, Staphylococcus aureus, staph, bacteria, but the condition may also be caused by toxins produced by group A streptococcus bacteria, or strep. So basically, if you have had, doctors say that if you have had a previous staph infection or really severe strep infection, you just should not use tampons. Like, as a general rule, like, if you have had a very severe previous infection of this type, and I mean, you know, kids, we've all had strep before, but they're talking about, like, if you've had something really severe as an adult, you should probably avoid tampons because of that bacteria. And it's characterized by having a fever, the shock, and problems with the functions of several bodily organs, which is why it is so fatal. It can be fatal in up to 50% of cases, and Do I need to even go through the symptoms because they're wide-ranging and similarly upsetting? Well, one of them, one of them, okay, yeah, this is like, this reads like the worst WebMD entry ever. You know, WebMD, it's always cancer. But so I guess we don't need to go into everything. But one particular sign of TSS is a widespread red rash that looks like a sunburn with skin peeling that occurs one to two weeks after the rash, particularly on the palms of the hands and the bottoms of the feet. And this occurs also, you know, there's there's hypotension with it, a high fever, headaches. So it, it does affect a large portion of the body. Yeah, and that's why, you know, it can be challenging to diagnose um, and why, you know, looking for that rash is important because otherwise, you know, you might have symptoms like headache, fever, diarrhea, low blood sugar, muscle aches, which could be any number of things. And like you said, if you go to WebMD, probably cancer of your entire body. Um, But one thing to emphasize is that, yes, men can develop it too. We've said it before, in about 50% of toxic shock cases, it affects non-menstruating women, which includes men, kids, and post-menopausal women. Now, as far as prevention... Uh, it's some common sense stuff that you should keep in mind if you use tampons and, you know, you're a menstruating woman in general. Uh, you need to change your tampons frequently at least every four to eight hours and consider using the lowest absorbency tampons you can. I always use just regular 
non-scented, because you know we all we've all we've talked about scented things in the podcast too. Try to alternate pads and tampons, and avoid using tampons at all when your flow is very light. And the thing is, and I'll re reemphasize this. Toxic shock syndrome can recur. So if you've had it before or a prior serious strep or staph infection, just try not to use tampons. And the reason why doctors will urge you to change your tampons regularly is that left in place, they become a breeding ground for bacteria. And with those super absorbent fibers, too, uh, the tampons might be able to scratch the surface of the vagina, making it possible for bacteria or their toxins to enter the bloodstream. So it can set you up for some some bad stuff going on. But if you're now saying, well, oh, I'm just going to stop using tampons. No, it's not a thing that you have to stop using tampons. TSS is extremely rare. Right. This shouldn't be some kind of scare tactic, uh, you know, away from tampons. Um, but one other way, though, if you are worried about Toxic shock. Menstrual cups might be a good alternative. Uh, go ask Alice that we've cited many times over at Columbia University and other sources will confirm that menstrual cups might be one way to lower your risk of that. But again, though, because of the fact that these cases can happen outside of the realm of menstrual products, you know, it's, it's not just that that we need to pay attention to, even though when we think of toxic shock, a lot of times the next thing we think of is tampons and periods. Right. There's also uh, reusable cloth pads, but those don't really necessarily prevent toxic shock syndrome either. It's just that the risk is probably slightly lower than with tampons. Um, Glad Rags, who are the makers of one type of reusable cloth pad, say that their product is a safer option because blood is not staying in the vaginal canal where the development of TSS is most likely to occur. While the risk is still minimal, tampons create a more ideal opportunity for the growth of these bacteria and can dry out the vaginal canal by absorbing the vagina's natural moisture, which can lead to minute tears and increase the chance of TSS. Nowadays, though, we don't hear as much about toxic shock syndrome. It seems like when we hear about it, it's things like you and I were talking about, like, oh, my gosh, you've hit puberty, you've started your period, you've started to use tampons, and you just read about it as some weird, abstract, scary, nightmarish thing in an insert. And in reality, it is a a bit of an abstract thing because it has such a low incidence rate. For instance, in 2001, according to stats from the CDC, the annual incidence rate of TSS was one to two cases per 100,000 women from 15 to 44 years old. But that stat doesn't say whether or not it was tampon related. During this time, a less common form, the non-menstrual TSS, did stay fairly constant from 1979 to 1996. And like we said, that's often associated with hospitalization and surgical procedures. But what's up with the decline after the 80s? You know, we talked about how, you know, there's increased awareness. You know, women women uh, know to maybe take better care when they're using tampons. Um, the CDC UC Berkeley report that we cited earlier from 1999 cites the, the decrease in tampon absorbency, the standardized labeling required by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, greater awareness, like we said, about the disease, and the proliferation of educational materials for women, including those scary tampon package inserts. However, 40% of the menstrual cases of TSS continue to affect women 13 to 19, an age group that maybe 
needs more education. Maybe because TSS has been out of the mainstream news for so long, this younger group of women is more prone to get it because they just haven't been hearing about it. Yeah, and we need to know about how to, what it is and how to prevent it. And not to say that the only way you can pre- prevent it is to never, ever, ever wear a tampon, but it's just uh, knowing how to take care of your body. Right. You know, it's it's simply not good for you to leave a tampon in for a really long time. Right. You would change a bandage on your arm frequently, wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's actually one other tip that the Mayo Clinic offers for TSS prevention, because any place that you have an open wound like that, you have the opportunity for bacteria to get in there for some kind of staph infection to develop into TSS. Mm-hmm. So it's more than just tampons. Hooray. No. But it's, but it's also tampons. But it's also tampons. So to to calm any fears, we can say that TSS, while it does have a scary range of symptoms and can be fatal, is extremely rare. And that tampon technology has certainly improved. And if you are not comfortable with tampons, there are plenty of other options out there, such as pads, uh, menstrual cups, reusable pads. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe, I mean, if, if this is something that really worries you, the next time you go talk to your doctor, just ask him or her about it. Yeah. Maybe find out some stats or some opinions or just some suggestions. Absolutely. So I hope that answers any and all questions about toxic shock. And remember, men, you are not immune as well. Yeah. So there you go. Toxic shock, not just tampons. Uh, so I would like to hear from uh, other women, especially, um, whether or not they had similar experiences as Caroline and I did with kind of being freaked out about what is this TSS thing? Are these tampons going to kill me? Yeah. But I mean, hey, I'm I'm 29. Haven't had any problems with tampons. Knock on wood. Knocking on wood. Well, send us your letters. Momstuff at discovery.com is the email address. Or you can also hit us up on Facebook. And now, here's some letters. Well, I wanted to share a heartwarming letter that we got from Avi. In response to our podcast from October 2012 about progeria, A.V. writes, The quote you read from, I think her name was Haley, was a little girl in England with progeria. It really rang true with me. She said that if she had three wishes, she would in fact not wish away her progeria. Personally, I have something called Marfan syndrome, which is a genetic mutation, and it affects the physical appearance and can be life-threatening in certain cases. I, too, have been asked, would I rather not have this mutation if I had the choice? Yes, I would be better off physically, I'd be healthier, and I would have fewer restrictions, but I would not be the same person. I would not be as sensitive and caring and kind as I am now, and I wouldn't empathize with others in hard situations. So I wouldn't trade my experiences for anything. My disease-slash-syndrome shaped me into who I am today. I know it sounds a little cliché. Lastly, I firmly believe that any hardship that is put onto you can help you get where you need to be and forces you to grow where otherwise you wouldn't have. So a little inspiration from Avi. Thank you. And I have an email here from Robert about our Black Women at the Oscars episode. He says, near the end of the podcast, I heard you guys mention Carrie Washington as the star of the show Scandal. I thought it might have been worth mentioning that one of the show's producers is Shonda Rhimes, who is also the creator of Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice. And Irene Cara, who was the first black woman to win a non-acting Academy Award in 1984 for the best song, 
Flash dance. What a feeling. And then he says, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Robert. You keep doing what you're doing with, with feeling. I wish you could keep belting out that tune. <laughs> that was some mm. nice vibrato. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do sing that song every night before bed. Well, thanks to everyone who's written into MomStuff at Discovery.com. Keep your letters coming. You can also find us on Facebook. I highly urge you to go over to Facebook if you haven't been there already and check out all the fun and wacky things that we are up to, especially our photo projects. That's right. If you are curious at all as to what Caroline and I look like in 50s housewife costumes, well, you can go to our Facebook. Please like us while you're at it. And follow us on Twitter at MomStuff podcast you can also find us on tumblr at stuff mom never told you tumblr.com and if you would like to learn more about how to stay healthy you can find it at our website it's howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com